dive into the text. And um, just a, a little, a little uh, update and theater here. Um, as I was prepping during the week, I posted a, my brain's on fire or it's smoking. And, and I put the text in Greek and then just uh, did a little literary analysis. And let me tell you, we had uh, about just over 500 reactions to that. Praise the Lord for that. Because um, it, it just shows a little glimpse of what we're hungry for, what we're seeking the Lord for. And then as we uh, journey in this, in, this, uh, in this book of Colossians, may the Word of God speak to us. May it speak to our hearts, to our mind, but not only us, but it also has an effect on our community. And, and this, is, this is what we're really asking. So this morning's uh, sermon, I entitled it, Our Identity in Christ. And we're just going to look at a few words from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 2. But before we jump in there, I had asked a question, and, and, and just of the text itself. Um, and I wanted to hear what other voices uh, thought about who Jesus Christ was. And so... Um, Here's a, a few people you might recognize some of these names, um, and some of them you may not be in agreement with their philosophy or their political views, and that's okay. This is, these are what we would call outsiders of Christianity, and, and some of them are and some of them are not, and, and, and what was their take and how did they view Jesus? And, and here, here's the first one. You might recognize the name, um, Mahatma Gandhi. And this is what he said about Christ. He said, a man who was completely innocent honored, offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies, and became the ransom of the world. It was a perfect act. How about somebody like Martin Luther King Jr., who said Jesus Christ was an extremist for love, truth, and goodness? How about this one? Napoleon Bonaparte. He said, I know, I know men and tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, uh, or, or myself founded empires. But what foundation did we rest the creations of our genius Upon force, Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. One more. Albert Einstein. I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus is too colossal for the pen of phrase mongers however artful. He further added, no man can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. Theseus and other heroes of his type lack authentic vitality of Jesus. How about you? Who is Jesus Christ? Friend who is watching online, who is Jesus Christ? How would you describe him? And we live in a world 
that has various versions of who Jesus Christ is or was. And yet, the 21st century church, over 2,000 years ago, were commissioned by the Lord himself as he commissioned his first disciples. And those disciples have commissioned other disciples. And on and on and on, we continue to commission others to carry the banner of Jesus Christ into the future. And so, let's read the text this morning from Colossians chapter 1. If you want, open up your Bible. If you're old school, you would want to open up your Bible. If you're newer school, uh, you would use one of these or a phone. Um, And that's okay. If it's electronic or traditional, uh, conventional, uh, you want to go to Colossians chapter 1. And let's read uh, verse 2. It will appear on your screen. And it reads this way. To the saints... And faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Friends, this is the word of the Lord for us today. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Um, We are so grateful to be here in your house, surrounded by the community of the redeemed, Surrounded by those whom you have called. Surrounded by those who you have extended grace and have set apart and have made holy and have um, demonstrated to them your faithful, loyal love on that cross of Calvary. And it is in Christ that we as your people stand here free, with freedom to raise our hands, to worship you, to express our gratitude for what you have done for us. Now, Lord, may your word speak to our hearts today. May it challenge us where it needs to be challenged, and may it remind us where we need reminding of who we are in you. To the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. And amen. Well, once again, taking from last week's message on the Apostle Paul and who Timothy was, and we were introduced to, to Epaphras, and now we are introduced to the, to the uh, brotherhood or the fellowship of believers in Colossae. Now we want to turn to our attention to what one scholar had said, this formula of Pauline language in Christ or through Christ, or with Christ. This is very common in his other writings. But let's look in the book of Colossians how Paul would address the believers. For example, if we observe Colossians 1 through 24, through chapter 2, verse 5, this is what Paul would say. And and again, I apologize if my letters, I'm working on this, so I'm going to make these letters uh, fit right in my PowerPoint presentations. But look what he says. And and again, uh, I'm reading from Colossians 1, uh, verses 24 through uh, verse 5 of chapter 2. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up with what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you 
to make the word of God fully known. Verse 26, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. Verse 27, to them God chose to make known. Interesting how Paul says that. To them God chose to make known how great among um, the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's a beautiful phrase. And, and if you love to underline phrases or words in your Bible, this would be one of them. The riches of the glory of, his, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, jump down with me to verse 2 of chapter 2. And this is what he says. Um, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. And notice this, how Paul just strategically writes this word. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. What's the mysteries of God? Christ. Later on, that, this is why you'll hear me say, our philosophy should be Christ. Our tradition shall be Christ. Our, 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 our belief system, our standard, our law will be Christ. And so, and, and this is what he says in verse 3, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What a strong affirmation that Paul is giving to the believers in Colossae. Um, once again, if we, if we observe the book and allow the book to speak for itself, how about if we observe the very next verse as he turns the attention and the focus to being alive in Christ? Look, look what he says in verse 6 of chapter 2. Therefore, right? Therefore. Grammar is everything that came before. Because of that, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in him. And then if that's not enough or if that's not clear enough, here's how you should walk in the Lord. He says, uh, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Wow, this is, this is, this is a, a constant reminder. Um, and later on, it, throughout the many weeks that we will be spending in the book of Colossians, this is a real reason for our gratitude. The reason why we raise our hands, the reasons why we clap during the worship. And then I see some of you, you, you want to start like having a little strut there. But that's the reason. Because he forgave us, because he loved us, because he lavished us with his mercy and his righteousness that are all in Christ. And, and so, uh, if we jump down to verse 9, for in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. So you don't get just Jesus, you get the triune God. Wow. That is too much for my mind to even fathom. Pastor, how do we unpack that? Well, we will. Uh, you'll have to come to church on those Sundays to kind of consider the, 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 the theological implications. And verse 10, And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. So the pastor isn't the head and the rule of authority. Who is? Christ. 
And this is, this is beautiful for the 21st century church because you'll hear people say, oh, I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in church. Well, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And all of those who have been ordained by the Lord himself and commissioned by the local body as leaders of the church, we are just administrators of his shepherd of his flock. And so he is, and, and, and again, uh, verse 11, in him also you were circumcised. Now, this is a concept that many of us understand and some of you don't. And, and, and if your parents, um, like my parents, uh, I was circumcised. And I asked my mom, why did you circumcise me? She said, it's for health reasons. I go, is that really? And she goes, no, because, you know, it was an Old Testament practice and, you know, uh, uh, you know I, I want to observe that. I said, okay, as long as you, you understood that and not because it's just the religious thing of the old tradition. But notice Paul's use of this. He says, now you were circumcised with him. And, and, and he unpacks that, right? With a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you can read all the way to verse 15. It kind of explains this, uh, this, 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 this uh, use of the word in Christ that Paul wants to, to, to articulate or was articulating to the believers in Colossae. Well, for us in our 21st century, well, we have to ask the question, who is Jesus Christ? Or who is the Christ that is so spoken about in the Bible? And many of you have been in church many years. And yet when you have the opportunity out in public, we kind of get tongue-stricken. Tongue or, or we can't find the words to tell our neighbors or to speak with Muslims, or to speak with Jehovah's Witnesses, or to speak with others from other faiths or ethnicities about who is this Christ. And it's my hope, it's my desire that all of us, as we're considering time and, 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 and reflecting on the book of Colossians, that we would also develop a language of who is Christ. I mean, we could talk about all kinds of forms and methods of evangelism, and that all has its place. But until we open our mouths and start proclaiming the name of Jesus, yeah, it's going to offend some people, and some people will not like what you have to say. Some people will say you're dogmatic, you're too extreme, you're a fanatic, and that's okay. I suggest. And Jesus also suggested the same thing. John chapter 16. Don't forget, people will be upset at you. And not because of you or your Christianity, but because of me, which is the Lord, right? Christ Jesus. And so, um, let's see. So, first thing we want to do is, who is Christ? Or who was Christ? And we in the Evangelical Free Church, uh, we, we, we have this statement of faith. And Article 4 uh, goes something like this. And you can recite this with me. That would be great. Um, uh, please join and let's read out loud together. We believe that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, fully God and fully man, one person in two natures. Jesus, Israel's promised Messiah, 
was conceived through the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life, was crucified under Pontius Pilate, arose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest and advocate. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. Once again, we need a declaration. Why? Because it almost seems like there's some kind of distorted view of who Jesus is. And it helps to have a clear affirmation of who we believe Jesus Christ to be. This is one of our points that's non-negotiable. We can have opinions and differences of, about the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. Are they relevant for the church today or they're not? And there's theological sides. But none of that makes it or breaks it for the gospel. So we treat those as secondary issues. So in our church, there's room for charismatics and there's room for non-charismatics. Praise the Lord for that. Because we are in... Thank you. We are in... It's all about being in. That's right. And so, and so, again, this is very important because the world, again, it's so distorted. They all have different versions. So let's take this, this affirmation and let's unpack it real quickly. For example, when we say Jesus Christ is God incarnate, um, look what John 1.14 says. And the word became flesh. There it is and dwelt among us, and, and we have seen his glory, something very similar to John. When you read First John, uh, in First John, he says, we've not only seen him, we've touched him, we've been with him. So it uses senses, right, for those who are in education. Glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. When we say Jesus is fully God and man, what better text than the Christological hymn located in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7? It says, Who through he was in the form of God did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Something that, that refutes Eastern religions and cults that have this God so distant, so disconnected from his creation. Christianity is a religion of God himself becoming man and dwelling amongst them. Wow. Wow. I mean, this, this just, just eats up our, our, our thought sometimes that crosses our mind. Well, maybe God doesn't care about me. He cared enough so much about you that he took on the form of flesh. And he dwelt among his creation. Oh, you, you think that, that's something crazy. Go back to John chapter 13. And you have the servant Lord, the servant creator, him. This always blows my mind. The creator of the whole things, as we're going to read here in, in, in Colossians 1.15 and on. He who created all things took a towel and a basin and washed the feet of his creation. <laughs> that is phenomenal. And if he could do that, he says, you will be blessed if you do likewise. Wow. 
And so, uh, again, uh, Jesus is, the, is Israel's promised Messiah, right? The new covenant in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. Look what verse 31 says. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, referring to the Messiah and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with the fathers on the day when I took them uh, by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. Wow, God, their husband. The husband of his people declares the Lord. Verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each of each one his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, my friends, you can read this in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I'm going to pick and choose there, but go back in your time of study. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Verse, um, verse 20 says, But as, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Isn't this awesome? When you hear the Lord appearing by forms of, of angels and, 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 and appearing to his servants, he always tells them, Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Have peace. But look, look at this. So he's saying, Hey, have peace. Don't worry. Um, for that which is conceived in her, referring to Mary, is from the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 21, and she will bear a son, and you shall take his name, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Yeshua in Hebrew, Savior. And verse 22, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Praise the Lord for that. When we consider Jesus was born of the virgin, um, Luke chapter 1, verse 28 through, 20, through 35. I will not read all of it. Verse 31, and behold, you will receive or you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? It's impossible. And yet in verse 35 of Luke chapter 1, we read, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. When we say Jesus had a sinless life, what do we refer to that? Let the scriptures speak for themselves in Hebrews 4.15. For it tells us, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this glorious, friends, church? 
Look what the, again, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews, we have a high priest who is, uh, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You have a high priest. I have a high priest. Uh, Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate, Matthew chapter 27, verses 24 through 26. Uh, verse 24, so when Pilate saw, Pontius Pilate, when he saw, and then verse 26, then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. This is what we affirm who, who the Christ was. Uh, Jesus arose bodily from the dead. Why do we say that? Because you have sex and cults that would believe that he was just a ghost. Oh, he didn't really resurrect from the dead. Yes, he did. And not just did he resurrect from the dead, he resurrected in bodily form. How so? Look what the scriptures tell us. Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 43. Again, I'm not going to read all of it, but look what Jesus says in verse 39. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me. Remember Thomas? Oh, Thomas, I see you, Lord, but I don't believe. He says, here, touch, touch, touch my hands. You can't touch a ghost can't touch a spirit. And not only that, as if, as if, as if that wasn't enough. Look, look what the Lord did. For, uh, and and there in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 39. So see my hands, see my feet, that is, I myself. Touch me and see me, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. But here's, here's one of my favorite, and you know, you, you know I love barbecuing and food and whatnot, so I always talk about that. But verse 41, and while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you have anything to eat? This is typical Jesus language. Have you anything to eat? You know, the, Christians are always accused of just being gluttons and just always, why do we always have to have food and everything? Uh, that's me. I always talk. That's probably one of my biggest critics. Why do you always have to mention food? Um, but look, Jesus said, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. Wow. Huh? And he took it and ate before them. Spirits and ghosts don't do that. Right, so this is important for us in our presentation of the gospel. When we say Jesus ascended to heaven and is at the right hand of the Father, First Peter 3.22, who has gone into heaven... And that is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Everything, all spiritual authorities are subjected to Jesus Christ. And you can read on, you know, from verse 8 all the way down to, uh, sorry, verse 18 to, through 22 of 1 Peter 3. And read that for yourself. It's a very complex text. Now, when we say Jesus is our high priest and advocate, this is beautiful, friends. Um, again, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15, all of these collectively, in a very, uh, like, a, like a symphony, the Scriptures affirms these truths, right? So Jesus is our high priest and advocate. Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, verse 12, He entered once and for all into the holy places, not by the means of the bloods of goats and cows, but by means of His own blood, thus secure 
securing an eternal redemption. Verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? Verse 15, therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Secondly, second thing in this, this one little part of the scripture there, there in Colossians chapter 1 verse 2. If you observe this text, and again, if, if you didn't see my post, um, uh, go and, and push like on our, on our uh, Clovis EV Free page on Facebook. Uh, just this week, we've had more than 75 people join that page in one week. Praise the Lord. But I posted this picture of my notes. I don't have it on screen. I promise I, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm working on making this better for you guys so that you guys. But I put one post of all this written in Greek, and, and I, I started doing all the connections on, on how the, the conjunctions modify the adjectives and how the uh, preposition adjusts the nouns. And, and all of this, all of this is affected by the word in Christ. So that's why I put this on my notes here. How does Jesus modify when we read brothers in Christ? Who are the brothers? I said this and I alluded to this last week. Brothers, some people interpret this just to be um, gender, men, right? But this word is not to men. This is a plural noun, brothers. So it's speaking to brothers, both male and female. The qualifier here in the Greek is in Christ. In, so, so Greek is, is very different from English because sometimes we'll read English and we read like from, from left to right and, and we want, you know, we put the adjectives and the nouns and the verbs and the prepositions and all of the, the nice things. In Greek, sometimes you'll have the noun and, and, then, and then it's turned around. So, you know, it, it'll say, um, in Christ are the brothers, for example. Well, we don't think that way. So sometimes when we, when we get into the language, we begin to process it. So when we read it in the, in, the, in the original language, this in Christ, in Christ, this is the beauty, and this is where my mind was just like all over the place. Because it is in Christ that the brothers are now being modified. Something is happening. There's a transformation occurring in our lives when we are now in Christ. Something happens. And, and, and Paul described them this way. He said, saints and faithful. Well, uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. We said saints is not this sainthood like St. Peter or St. Paul or, or there's a, a, a beautiful status or Pastor Pablo because he preaches from the pulpit. This is not that. This has to do with the modifying, uh, uh, as, I, as I put there, there, this modifying preposition right before the noun. There's two nouns, one preposition. Brothers in Christ. That preposition modifies both. But between the both brothers and Christ, brothers is a receiving dative. In the Greek, so it receives. What does it receive? In Christ. 
and not only does it receive Christ, but because of Christ, it is set apart and made holy for the purposes of God. And not only is it made holy, being separated, but one of the characteristics of being in Christ is faithfulness. We are not like the world. I think I said this last week. We're going to love you even though you don't want me to love you. We're going to serve you. Because that's what Jesus would do. That's what a good friend of mine also used to say. We're going to love you even though you, you may not know it, but we love you. And so, again, scriptures are very clear. Let, look, look, let, let's run through this very quickly. Uh, Colossians 1.4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.14, look what he says. In him we have redemption. In him, in whom, uh, again, that's, that's the key word. Uh, Colossians 1.16 through 17, for by him all things, right? That's the key word there. And then in verse 17, um, and, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Again, um, Colossians 1.19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Um, Colossians 1.28, uh, him we proclaim, warning to warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There it is again. Um, Colossians 2.3, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Uh, Colossians 2.6 and 7, therefore, as you receive Christ, just the Lord, um, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Um, Colossians 2, 9 through 12, uh, specifically verses 11 at the end, where it says, by the circumcision of Christ, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Um, even the tougher verses in Colossians, for example, Colossians 3.18, wives, submit to your husband. Uh, guys, don't be doing this to the wife. We're, we're going to get to this verse here, okay? This is, this is hard. This is hard stuff. This is the paranesis of the scripture, the moral implications of his instruction here in the book of Colossians. He says, wife, submit to your husband as fitting in the Lord. There it is, in the Lord. Um, again, Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Okay, um, and then finally, um, in Colossians 4.17, uh, 4.7, I'm sorry, Tychicus, uh, Tychicus, uh, sorry, Tychicus, will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. Okay? So again, this is important for our commitment uh, to Christ, incorporation into his body, membership as a holy community, redeemed believers, which takes us to this last and final thing here this morning. In the person and work of Christ, we are made part of the family of God. In the person and work of Christ, we are made part of the family of Christ. So you don't become a part of the church just by attending. 
it, it's that qualifier that Paul said. Brothers in the preposition Christ. So how do we become a brother of the redeemed community? It has to be in Christ. Jesus said it this way, John 14, 6. Very famous verse. Somebody once told me, oh yeah, all religions take you to God. I said, how do you reconcile then John 14, 6? And Jesus sounds so dogmatic, so, so extreme. But he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then what does he say at the end of that verse? No one can come to the Father except through me. This is the Lord himself saying that. So again, how do we, how do we, Paul said this this way to the brothers in Ephesus, right? Again, uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, again, in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to him as sons through Christ, Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise and the glorious, glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, which is Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. How do you know the mystery of God's will? Christ. When you struggle to read the scriptures and you don't understand Oh, my friends, pray to the Holy Spirit that he would illuminate your mind and show you Christ as, 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 as uh, um, um, oh, I forgot, Martin Luther says, you know, that Jesus Christ is the center of the scriptures, right? And, and so this is what Paul is saying. He, he made to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set for in Christ as the plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him Things in heaven and things on earth. And I love that, that multidimensional that you find in Revelation chapter 5. When you read, in the heavens and in the earth and below the earth, all creatures were praising the Lord. And so we get that a little bit. And finally, finally, as if that wasn't enough, Paul in Romans, I, I, this is one of my favorite texts in the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Especially verse 1. That speaks volumes and harmony of, of therefore in Christ there is no condemnation. Wow. Friends, sometimes our guilt, we come to church. I, I always have this image, right? We come to church like beat, like, like this, right? But when we read Romans 8.1, it says, therefore in Christ... That, that beautiful language of Pauline theology reminding us that it is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Therefore, there is no condemnation, right? But look what verses 12 through uh, 17 of Romans chapter 8 tells us. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For if you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, I asked the elders the other day, what, what, what is the root cause of fear? What is the root cause of fear? The root cause of fear is unbelief. And unbelief is sin. You don't believe me? Read the whole Old Testament. It's full of uh, living examples of that. But, but, but it says here, uh, for if you never said you are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons. Wow. Look to your neighbor to the right and say, you are a child of God. And look to the left and say the same thing, you are a child of God. Right? And if we be children, then heirs. And if heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. So what's the whole point of this sermon? Why is our identity in Christ so important? Because if we don't know who we are, we don't know where we're going, then what are we doing? Sometimes we allow our marriages, our jobs, our finances to define who we are the illnesses we experience in our body. May we never forget that it is in Christ, in Christ, and Christ dwelling richly in us who is our hope of glory. May we pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. We ask that if anyone listening online or even here, would say, Father, I would love to confess you as my Lord and Savior. I, for many years, have lived with the wrong identity, but now I want to have the right identity. Lord, we pray that this would be our prayer today. And we who have been in the family for many years would rejoice in your love and your grace and that peace that comes through the Father by the Son and is made known to us by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Father, if anyone would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you raised him from the dead, the scripture says that person will be saved. So if that's your prayer today, praise God, you are a new creation. You are now in Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that that person would come and take the next step to come and learn, to come and grow, to Come and be part of this family of redeemed. And so, Lord, even those who are online, would they reach out to us and let us know of their decision? We ask and pray this in the beautiful name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.